Would you please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, a very familiar passage. While you're turning, uh, our brother Larry Vincent asked me to bring greetings from Heritage Baptist Church in Mansfield, Texas to all of you, and so greetings. Uh, it's great to be with you. Uh, the folks there pray for you, and they thank God for the work that is going on here. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angel had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. May God's blessing be on this reading from his holy word. Let's pray together. O Lord, we ask you now, as you have been faithful to your people time after time, to come to us, to help us, to understand your holy word, increase our faith, deepen our love, help our understanding, and glorify yourself in these moments, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Silence. In our modern, fast-paced society, there's little experience of true silence. Automobiles and highways, trains on the move, airplanes taking off, flying and landing, television, radio, cell phones. Our civilization lives enmeshed in constant sound. We grow accustomed to the clamors around us and they become part of our lives. But the countryside around Bethlehem would have been very different from modern society in many ways, one of which is the level of noise. There were no highways distant or close at hand. 
to give off the whoosh of passing vehicles, no remote sounds of locomotives rumbling along the tracks or jet engines overhead. No television or radio or phone notifications would interrupt the quiet of the night. The only sounds to be heard would have been those of regular activity, the rattle of branches as wind blows through the brush, the occasional bleeding of sheep, or the subtle shifting of hooves seeking comfort and warmth as the flock huddles together, the inhale and exhale of the animals and their keepers. These were the sounds that shepherds would hear night after night, over and over. Everything would be peaceful and familiar. The shepherds we meet in these verses seem to have been a special group. In the eyes of ritualistic Judaism, shepherds were the lowest class of workers. Their occupation required a certain amount of ceremonial uncleanness, making them unable to fulfill many of the rabbi's interpretations of the demands of Moses' law. And for this reason, the rabbis had decreed that shepherds must keep their flocks in the wilderness, far from towns and villages. And this was so that they would not pass their ceremonial uncleanness on to others. And yet, Luke tells us, we find these shepherds in the same country, that is, carrying on their business in the vicinity of David's city, Bethlehem. We ought to ask the question, why was this? Well, most likely, these shepherds were tending the flocks that were used as sacrifices in the nearby temple in Jerusalem. A constant supply was required for the daily and weekly offerings, and so a flock was kept in Bethlehem, which is only six miles from Jerusalem. This flock, destined for sacrifice, was tended year-round in the open field called Migdal Eder. It was near Bethlehem, and it was there for the sake of the worship of the temple. There was a tower overlooking the field, and the shepherds were responsible for the care of this flock, both from the tower and in the field. As these men worked that night, all the familiar sounds of the darkness would have come to their ears. Wind in the bushes, bleeding sheep, breath from companions, the same each evening as far back as memory stretches. But suddenly, everything changed. The deep shadows of the Judean night gave way to terrifying brilliance as an angel, a messenger from God, stood before them to speak his message. The nocturnal peace was shattered as God broke through to address these men. And we're told in verse 8 that the shepherds were keeping watch by night, a fitting metaphor for the fact that as the scene opens, even in the nighttime shadows, everything is visual for the shepherds. The quiet routine of a dark night is shattered as they see glory and experience the resulting sudden terror. I ask you, what happens to you when something suddenly disturbs your quiet or a light abruptly shines at night when you don't expect it? This would have been far greater than anything you have known 
For this was the glory of God bringing sound along with brilliant light. They're terrified. But after the appearance and the terror, there comes a message for the angel speaks. His words offer comfort and joy. His first concern as he speaks to the shepherds is to calm their fears. Luke's description of their emotions at the end of verse 9 literally reads like this, they feared a great fear. And knowing their terror, the messenger begins with soothing words. He says, do not be afraid, because he must reassure them before speaking to them. They should not fear, for he brings them good tidings of great joy. Literally what he says is, I bring to you good news full of supreme joy. In fact, he uses a common word, a form of the common word, that we use to speak about the announcement of the gospel, the exact opposite of fear. We, we speak of the gospel as good news. Good news is a translation into English of this Greek word. It's the same word for evangelism. That's what he uses as he speaks to them. This would bring to them the highest possible delight. It's as if he says, put away your fears and begin to overflow with joy. Now, why is it? What is it, Mr. Angel, that you're saying? Well, verse 11 tells us why. There's a reason. There is born to you this day in the city of David, that's Bethlehem, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Perhaps we cannot comprehend the magnitude of this simple sentence. How many times in your lifetime have you heard this text read at this time of year? Isn't it very familiar to us? But it wasn't familiar to them. This was the first time that they heard these words. They would have been amazed. The angel is telling the shepherds, these lowly, unclean shepherds, that all the promises of the ages, the hopes and desires of the godly in Israel, cherished for millennia, have come to pass that day. Think about these shepherds. From the moment the angel appeared, they knew that something supernatural was happening. And these words would explain and fix the truth in their minds. I wonder, as they listened and as they thought, did texts from the Old Testament come into their minds? The Savior is born. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. He is the Christ. Did they remember Isaiah 9, 6? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Did the fact that they were just outside the confines of the town of Bethlehem come to their mind. This has happened there. Did they remember Micah 5 too? But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Here is a clear proclamation of God's activity among men. And what makes this especially interesting is an ancient Jewish belief, it's not found in the scriptures, but it was taught by the rabbis, that the first proclamation about Messiah 
would be at Migdal Eder, this shepherd's field. That's what the rabbis anticipated. So that there might be no mistake in identifying the baby, the angel provides a sound, a sign. This baby may be found in an unusual place, dressed in cloths that are used for newborns. He'll be found among God's creatures, resting in a manger. Brothers and sisters, this is astonishing. Suddenly, in the middle of a night, a night like every other night, a night when they were working, the lives of the shepherds are changed forever by a few words. But there's more here. If the sudden appearance of a heavenly angel was frightening, how much more so would have been the revelation of a whole host? The Lord was kind to the shepherds, for he held back the manifestation of the chorus until the good news had been delivered. Luke tells us that in a moment, the angel was joined by a multitude of heavenly beings who spoke the most wonderful words of praise. You know, when I read texts like this, I try to picture it. I can imagine being out in a field in a cold night, wondering what was happening. But I want to know things like, where did these angels appear, this multitude? Were they in the air? Did they appear on the ground? We don't know. We can't sort that out. It doesn't really matter. Did they sing? We tend to think that they sang. We don't know that. The scripture doesn't say that they sang, they spoke. But their familiar words echo the deepest realities of the coming of the Christ. The good tidings of great joy to all people are explained in the words spoken by the heavenly host. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Think about those words that we sing. Clear, there are clear parallels between these sayings. Great joy to all peoples is peace, goodwill toward men. And notice the intentional connections. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill to men. Heaven and earth, the whole universe, is greatly blessed by the event that is announced by these angels. They marvel at the glory of God in heaven and in his goodness to men on earth. Listen to these words from 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter writes this. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And Peter says one more thing. Things which angels desire to look into. Peter tells us the angels, even these who are announcing the coming of the birth of Christ, the angels long to look into the work of God in redeeming sinners. Paul agreed with Peter. In Ephesians 3, Paul wrote these words, To me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, 
and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul says the same thing as Peter. Here he indicates that the principalities and powers in the heavenly places observe the manifold wisdom of God revealed in the gospel. The angels are not redeemed as we are, but the angels are amazed at the grace of God granted to fallen sinners in the incarnation of the Son of God, our Savior, the eternal second person of the Trinity who assumes a human nature and comes and dwells among us. The sounds of the angels proclaimed the glory of God. That's what they spoke. But you know, these were not the only sounds on that silent night because the shepherds also spoke. In response to the good news that they've just received, the shepherds speak to each other. Look at verse 15. It tells us that after the angels departed, the shepherds conversed among themselves. I, I wonder, what, what were they feeling at this moment? What was it like to have been there and to turn to each other and to speak these words? Hearing, they listened to the words, produced faith. And this faith produced expectancy and desire. And it caused them to go and to see the baby Christ. They knew his location. They knew the means by which they could identify him. And so they hastily sought after him. Following the directions that were given, they found the holy child along with Mary and Joseph. By all indications, his first visitors were these lowly keepers of sheep, unclean workers, according to the rabbis, but greatly blessed, according to God. In Paul's words, listen, not many wise, according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised God has chosen, and the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. No boasting, simply going to worship. You see, this is also good news because it reminds us that Jesus Christ receives us as we are. We don't have to possess qualifications to be welcomed by him. It wasn't the rabbis in Jerusalem who received the first announcement. It was lowly shepherds thought to be unclean. The Lord came to them. It doesn't matter who you are. The Lord will receive you as you are. His grace extends to everyone. Now, what did these shepherds do? You know, they became good newsers. They became evangelists. They were told they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. Can you imagine them now going from this field out in the wilderness into the town and speaking to those that they encounter? And what was that saying? There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. They heard 
they saw and they told. Now, uh, I'm making an assumption in what I'm about to say, but it seems to me that shepherds are not usually eloquent or polished speakers. They work together with animals. That's what they do. But their joy made them talk about these things. C.S. Lewis made an insightful observation. Listen to what he says. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise unless, sometimes even if, shyness or the fear of boring others, delivery brings it into check. The world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses, readers their favorite poet, walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game, praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles, even sometimes politicians or scholars. I had not noticed how the humblest and at the same time most balanced and capacious minds praise the most. I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think it magnificent? The psalmists in telling everyone to praise God are doing what all men do when they speak of what they care about. Lewis was right. And this is what the shepherds did. They told others about Jesus, and the people they told marveled. The promises of the ages were coming true on that night. Now this is not all the sounds expressed by the shepherds. For verse 20 tells us that when they returned to their field, the same field where they kept watch over their flock every night, when they returned, they worshipped. Their lips were taking up with honor to God. I wonder if their profession as tenders of the flock had anything to do with this. Without doubt, they were believers. We can infer that immediately from the text because they responded directly to what the Lord said to them. Without doubt, they were believers. They raised sheep for sacrifice, constantly bringing the animals to Jerusalem for slaughter. Had this constant activity made them sensitive to God's plan and thus responsive to his promises, they had great faith because this was only a newborn baby born to a teenage mother in an inconvenient place. Outwardly, if one had no information about what was happening, it was a display of poverty and affliction. But this did not deter these men. They worshiped. I find that astounding. Do you worship God when you see a newborn baby? Perhaps you give thanks for the child, a very good thing to do. You'll all give thanks when you hear that Anna has had her baby later today. Thanks be to God for this. But there's something more here. The night of these shepherds had been interrupted. They proceeded from great fear to great faith. But this was still only a baby. It wouldn't be until 30 years later that he would come forth into public view and begin his ministry. Here's another wonder that I have. I wonder if any of them were still alive when John the Baptist said, do you remember John's words, behold the lamb of God who takes away 
the sins of the world. If they were still alive, if any of them were alive, and they heard John, did they remember this night when they were tending lambs in a field, lambs for sacrifice, lambs that would be killed? Behold the Lamb of God. John the Baptist's words would have had special meaning for these men. Perhaps more than any others, they would have understood the significance of John's exclamation. You see, their evening was not like any others. Several hours before these incidents, there was wind and breath and bleeding. Now there were voices filled with praise to God because he had given the Savior. At least for these shepherds, the silent night was full of unforgettable sounds. Now, the responses of the shepherds suggest some things that we need to consider. First, they were startled by the sudden appearance of heavenly messengers. Who wouldn't be? But readily, they received the announcement that was given to them. We're so familiar with the story that it may, be easy, that it may easily become quaint and neglected in our minds. When we hear of good tidings of great joy, brothers and sisters, we ought to be moved to worship and to service, as were these shepherds. The events of that night are part of the greatest occasion in world history. The incarnation of the eternal Son of God. Because without the virgin birth, there is neither cross nor resurrection. And our hopes of forgiveness would be in vain. But these things truly happened. Despite the materialism of our culture, we must see in Christmas the grace and mercy of God extended to sinners such as you and me. God, the eternal, immortal, unchangeable God, became one of us in order to bring us salvation. And this ought to do two things in our lives. If you have never before trusted in Christ, I urge you to do so now. That's what all of the celebration is about. It's about redemption that God provides through his son, Jesus Christ. Why do you wait? God has acted. God has sent his son. You may find forgiveness for your sins by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. God the judge will pardon your sins when by faith you trust in Christ and in his righteousness. He was born and lived and died so that you might find life. And I urge you to trust him today. There's no reason to wait. Do it today. But secondly, if you're a believer, the power at work in the lives of these shepherds is still working. With the help of God's Holy Spirit, let the tidings of great joy produce in you that same joyous response. As we think about these events, let's be full of joy. Because it is good news. You know, it's better than good news. It's the best news, the greatest news. Secondly, for those of us who rejoice in these events, 
There is a responsibility surrounding the observance of Christmas. We ought to do what the shepherds did. While the angels came to them with a divine message, these emissaries didn't go beyond the field. They just spoke to the shepherds. The heavenly heralds spoke to the shepherds, but not to others. Those around Bethlehem could only know about the baby Christ because the shepherds went and told them. As in verse 17, we must tell others. Our silence must be turned to making this known, as Luke says. God has spoken to us. Will we speak to others? See, the, the inhabitants of Bethlehem didn't need the voice of the angels. All they needed was the testimony of the shepherds. No one today needs the appearance of an angel. What they need is the testimony of Christians to say, this is what God has done. This is what Christmas is all about. Though our modern world is filled with noise, you know, last night I was listening to the sounds here in greater Los Angeles. There's a lot of noise. There is in Mansfield, Texas as well. We're not very far from a train that runs through town, just as here. We're not very far from DFW Airport, just like LAX and all the planes go overhead. All of those noises, very similar to what I know every day. It's not quiet. But we need to overcome that noise and sound forth the gospel to others. Maybe you have family or friends who don't attend church, but might be willing to visit at special times. It's too late to invite them to come for Christmas Sunday, but I would urge you to invite them to come and hear. They will hear the gospel in the place where God dwells. When you attend a Christmas party, or when you enjoy a Christmas meal, tonight Christmas Eve, tomorrow Christmas Day, Ask if you might take a few moments and read Matthew chapter 1 or Luke chapter 2. And perhaps the Lord will give you opportunities to speak of the Savior or bring people with you to hear the good news proclaimed. Ask the Spirit of God to make you like these shepherds, simple, humble shepherds who heard the gospel and gave it to others. Finally, the events of that first Christmas night had a profound effect on the shepherds because their silence was turned to praise. The profound grace and mercy of God in Christ ought to produce glorifying and praising to God for all that he has done. So I ask you, will you, during this season and throughout the year, worship the Lord God of heaven and earth, Father, Son, and Spirit, because of the coming of Christ. Our silence must be turned to praise in the way that the shepherd's silence was turned to praise when they returned to Migdal Eder. Well, may our Lord cause our silent nights to be full of the sounds with which he is pleased. Amen. Let's pray. O oh Lord, it's impossible for us properly to express our thanks for all that you have done. And yet in stumbling words, we can say, thank you, glory to God in the highest. And on earth where we live, peace and goodwill towards men. Let us be your instruments. We pray that you would, in these days, Call men and women and boys and girls to believe in Jesus Christ, to love him, 
And we pray that throughout the new year as it comes, you would help us to give ourselves in service and in worship to your holy name. Thank you for the amazing grace that you have shown to us in giving us Jesus Christ, our Savior, in whose name we pray.